Hello, and welcome to Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for tuning with us. And I, I can't call it the new hour anymore. I love it. I love this 4 o'clock hour. You may be winding down. If you got a more traditional 9 to 5, or you may be starting, well, don't wind down yet. You're getting paid for this hour. Don't slow down yet. you still got some sprint. But we'll take you home here as uh, as we get into the 4 o'clock hour here on Dollars and Cents, presented by North Main Financial. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being on the socials. We're on all of them. Boy, if, if you're connected to anything except YouTube right now, right? Right, Commander? Okay, so not on YouTube, but on all the other ones right now. LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitter now called X, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. You can connect with us on the socials, wsinews.com. You can also connect with us on there as well through the streaming. we got all kinds of options there. And of course, if you're more traditional like me, 105.9 FM on the dial. Thank you so much for, uh, for tuning in. You know, as a previous listener on Dollars and Cents here, we're talking on any number of subjects. And often we're looking at things macro. We're looking at big things. We're looking at worldly, global kinds of things. We're doing that intentionally. We're going to do that again some here today for all the obvious reasons. But in doing so, again, as we're looking at those kinds of things, and especially as we break them down to a micro level, uh, that we're not intending any of that to be a, a specific recommendation for you. Meaning that even though we're looking at these things, and, and some of them we're going to talk about specific companies, maybe even specific investments, mutual fund companies, individual stocks, bonds all those good kinds of things. Again, we strongly, strongly recommend that you reach out to your tax advisor or to your financial advisor, or if you'd like to reach out to us at North Main Financial, love to hear from you, love to chat about your particular financial journey and to see if there are any ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you. Online, you can find us at northmainfinancial.com. That's north like the direction, main like the street, financial.com, northmainfinancial.com. We've got a contact page on there. Leave us an email address or a phone number, happy to follow up with you and to see if there are ways in which we might be able to be helpful to you, again, at northmainfinancial.com. But in the interim, if you'd like to call us here in the studio, love to hear from you. Can't promise that we're going to get everything on the air here. Uh, sometimes with regards to how the, the show moves, we can include certain things, not include certain things. You also know I can't give specific investment advice. I got to say that for all our compliance folks who are listening in. So I can't speak into your specific situation, but you got general ideas. You got something you're seeing on the headline. Lines. Even if it is your particular uh, financial situation, talk about it in general and broad terms here. Help me out a little bit so I can respond, not as a recommendation be, for you, but for, to give you some things to talk about. Here in the studio, 844-STUDIO-4. Again, 844-788-3464, 844-788-3464. To call us here in the studio, you got questions about what you're seeing in the headlines, those kinds of things that may be out there as far as newsworthy sort of things, maybe a little bit challenging for you to process. I mean, we're only getting about, uh, I don't know, two or three questions an hour right now about what we think is going to be out there for the balance of the year as far as the markets are concerned. As a matter of fact, the last phone call I had before I jumped on the air here was exactly about that. Somebody wanted to know how the, the balance of the year looked. Spoiler alert, I have no idea. But I do have some ideas about the kinds of things that we want to keep in mind when we're looking at the most important things that we see uh, on our radar screen before, uh, before the end of the calendar year. All right, let's jump in. First segment, 
You recall as a previous listener to uh, to Dollars and Cents, uh, we're doing hot headlines. And yes, that's an alliteration for all of you grammar and English folks out there. That's intentional. I want to make sure that you're paying attention to what we're doing, but hot headlines. Or as somebody told me, uh, producer Bill, lit. I should say that that, that they're lit and it has a, a flame emoji uh, associated with it. Is that, is that correct? That's it. Okay. That's it. You're on it. I'm, strugg- I'm struggling into the 21st century here, uh, <laughs> grudgingly so with my legal pad and pencil uh, in, in, in tow. But uh, all right, let's let's stay with hot headlines. As as we're looking at it, several item, uh, several dozen items that we could talk about here. As as we're getting started, first big one, and this is for all folks who are receiving Social Security right now or are uh, anticipating receiving Social Security. Uh, Social Security is one of those big things from an obvious uh, standpoint that we with which we deal at uh, at North Main Financial all the time, from uh, planning wise. Right. I mean, we're, if we're looking at it, we're anticipating that kind of income, depending upon when we're taking it, what's a good time to take it. Uh, should we delay? Should we uh, defer? Should we uh, take it, then pause it, then start it again? And then all things that have to do with divorce and with spouses passing. A lot of moving parts there. Actually, a little bit of a teaser here. We're going to be talking about that in the What to Know segment here a little bit later on the show. Hang around for that. Social Security is one of those big ones that uh, that we talk about often. But from a newsworthy standpoint, the hot head line just came out from Social Security Administration, the anticipated cost of living adjustment here for calendar year 2024. So when I say what I'm going to say next, this actually doesn't kick in until January. But this is the time of the year coming into mid-October when we hear from the SSA or Social Security Administration about the anticipated cost of living adjustment or increase to Social Security here in the coming year. 3.2%. 3.2% is the cost of living adjustment that we're anticipating here for uh, for January. So for the average Social Security recipient, uh, and, and I say average, you're going to have half that are above, half that are below. So you got all that kind of thing. Actually, that's median. Average is, is the blend of all of them together. So we're, we're going to say that it, it, for the most part, $58 per month per, ch- uh, per uh, ch- no checks anymore, per deposit uh, for Social Security recipients. So roughly $58 per month. Uh, again, 3.2%. So not nearly the same kinds of increases that we've seen here for the last two calendar years. But remember, these last two calendar years, we've been in a space of relative high or hyperinflation, at least compared to our historical norms. So we're getting a little bit closer because of the actions of the Federal Reserve and a number of other factors in our economy. Uh, our CPI numbers, which we're going to talk about here in a few moments as well, uh, are coming down. And so when the, um, uh, the numbers are blended together, we don't use pure CPI when we're looking at Social Security adjustments. That's going to be a whole show in and of itself. But we use parts of CPI or or the Consumer Price Index to determine the cost of living adjustment for Social Security, 3.2%. Again, so if you are a recipient or you're anticipating uh, perhaps beginning benefits here uh, over the next several months, then you're going to be looking at a 3.2% increase to your Social Security benefits. So a big item. And that applies to so many folks, uh, perhaps at a applies to you, perhaps it applies to folks that you know. Uh, just a couple of, uh, of, of anecdotal items here, and these this is just part of the research that I do, so i got to share it with you to prove that I'm doing something here, right? So let's let's take a look at some of these anecdotal kinds of data points when it comes to, uh, to, to Social Security. 
I'm gonna actually, I'm a producer, Bill, I'm gonna ask you. So get, give me an estimate, all right? The number of folks in this country who are receiving uh, social security and social security disability. So not just folks who are receiving what we sometimes call retiree benefits, but let's also include folks who, uh, who are receiving social security disability in this country. Get, give me a shotgun number. Uh, this is a total guess. Yeah. Is it uh, 30%? It's, it's a great number. So if it was 30%, roughly 300 million, so we'd be looking at 90 to 100 million folks. It's actually 67 million, at least according to, to, to my data points. Uh, 60, but 67 million folks who on a monthly basis are receiving some kind of benefit, either Social Security or uh, Social Security disability. So big deal on, uh, on that end of things. 40% of folks who receive Social Security, that is the majority of their retirement income. So that's very important to keep. So we're talking about, again, uh, 40% of, uh, of folks who receive Social Security, it's more than half of their income. Very big deal when uh, when we're looking at that. So very, very important in terms of the impact points uh, for that. So uh, big deal. Social Security affects so many, affects so many uh, folks, and it's certainly, it's it's a political football as well. Got to mention that. I mean, it, it certainly is. And, and there's a lot of talk about the funding aspect of Social Security, different segment. We'll be talking about that here a little bit later on today. But uh, but before then, we're going to take a couple of seconds as we hear from our sponsors. Appreciate so much you listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk Now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby, thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter. Football reference, we're in football season. You're going to catch that with some regularity. You know if you listen to Dollars and Cents with any regularity, especially as we get into fall, I, I am going to reference football kinds of things. And, and for my Carolina Panthers fans, uh, again, when, when you're looking at uh, the kinds of things uh, that um, keep you going, uh, through through the week, you need to think about the glass half full instead of half empty. So what I'm thankful for, producer Bill, and I'd like to hear your comments on this. What I'm thankful for is that we were not in a space, say, later in the season with some playoff possibilities and then going through the, the last five games like what we've just experienced right here. Right. That would have been grueling. That, that would, have been, it would have been painful, right? It's, right. It, because it's kind of like the carrot. I like this take. The, the carrot's out there and then right. the carrot moves away from you. Correct. But I don't think we ever saw the carrot. At least I shouldn't say that. We have not seen the carrot. Correct. So uh, It's so just I'm, beyond that hill, I it believe. Ju- it's just beyond that we'll hill. We'll get there. We're going to keep running. We're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're going to keep running. So you I Panthers like fans, don't, don't you dare give up. At, uh, and, and by the way, you can listen to the Panthers here on WSIC. That you as can well. So, yep. uh, so when you when you hear the turn happen, you can you can hear it right here on one hundred five point nine WSICnews.com. You can hear the Panthers as uh, as as they move into uh, uh, to that better season uh, than than where we've been to this point. I'm not even going to mention the record uh, on uh, on the air here. If you're no, I think the Hurricanes have more wins than the Panthers. Okay, hey. well we're not not going to tighten. I think the <laughs> NHL season only started this week. Last so, night. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. So. Uh, but football aside for just a moment, thank you so much for hanging with us into the second quarter here on Dollars and Cents. We're still on hot headlines. There's so much. I mean, I, I kind of got carried away on, on Social Security there in the first segment. And you may say, well, that's a little bit weird to get carried away on Social Security. I get it. 
except it applies to so many folks. And for so many folks, it is a crucial part of the planning process, especially as we're looking at retirement. But let's uh, let's pivot up here. I'm going to put uh, producer Bill on the spot again uh, because we had uh, well, we had a I'd call it a noteworthy IPO or initial public offering, a, a company which uh, was not traded uh, publicly or not traded on a stock exchange, which began its process of being traded on the stock exchange this past week, uh, Birkenstock. So Birkenstock, German company. Um, if if you are not familiar with Birkenstocks, uh, German company, food or food, footwear, and I, I'm thinking food. Actually, I'm gonna, I'm going to get to food here in a minute. But uh, but footwear company, and and Bill, you you are notably younger than uh, th- than I am. So you probably uh, maybe were not as uh, privy to the Birkenstock style, which uh, looked a lot like a cork board. Uh, at least the the ones that I saw, you know, from from my youth, uh, you you probably are around right, more well, stylish ones. Yeah, well, you gotta when you're thinking about food, because when I look at them, I kind of think potato. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, unfortunately, I've I've never owned a pair. You've uh, never, neither have I. Yeah, uh, but 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 I know. And, I missed and actually, the boat. Well, and they and they have made a resurgence, and I right. and I say this because my young daughters uh, who who are in middle school and elementary school, they got Birkenstocks. I mean, now they don't look like the Birkenstocks that I remember from 35, 40 years ago. Uh, <laughs> that uh, that that I recall. I mean, they, they are quite a. They have a signature style about yes, them, they but do. but they uh, they don't look the same. They do look a little bit more stylish. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm always so. a, a season or two late to the trends. Uh, I am so, yeah. at least. I <laughs> actually uh, I, I still have my aviator sunglasses from not this most recent trend cycle, but when uh, Tom Cruise did the first Top Gun first movie. First one. First yes. one. Yes. Not going to say how long. Longer. That wave. was. <laughs> let's say that was uh, that was more than a couple of years ago, and uh, and. I held on to them long enough, and here they are back. There are some uh, listeners saying there was a first Top Gun. <laughs> <laughs> was, uh, did we just see Top Gun? Right. There was one a long time before that. As well. I know Tom Cruise hasn't changed. He still looks the same as he did in the first one. But uh, but for the rest of us, we uh, may show a few years. So Birkenstock, IPO uh, out there. And one of the interesting things, anecdotally, to note, to note about it, but this comes into the dollars and cents idea, uh, definitely. And, and this speaks to where the market is, I think, a little bit right now as well. Uh, it wasn't all rainbows and daylilies for uh, for Birkenstock coming public, meaning that usually there is a significant amount of optimism. And in many cases, not all, as we're going to talk about here in the next few moments, um, in many cases, as a stock comes public, especially if it's more well-known, especially if it's one that that garners a lot of attention, there is a lot of buying pressure in a positive kind of way, meaning that a lot of folks want to get, quote, in on it. And uh, we've seen that here over the last couple of weeks. We've seen Arm Holdings, the semiconductor company. We've seen with Instacart, uh, the, the gross delivery service, uh, which has come public here. We've seen those kinds of things where there's been at least initially um, some some intensity, but like with Arm Holdings and like with Instacart and now uh, like with Birkenstock, faded fairly quickly. Actually, if you look at Birkenstock specifically for this week, the current trading price is below where the IPO price was, uh, meaning where it initially started to trade, which is a little bit unusual, but can be indicative of a little bit. It's one variable in a very long algorithm, but it's one variable to indicate a little bit about where the market is right now, and specifically that it may not be as hot or as intense as it uh, as it has been. So it's a very interesting phenomenon to see, and uh, and certainly we're going to be watching that kind of thing because, like while well, we said, it's not the only variable uh, in the algorithm 
bottom of the where is the market right now question. But it definitely is something that is indicative of at least buying intensity on some of the more popular names. So we're going to be watching it. Doesn't mean Birkenstocks are bad shoes. Not saying that at all. Like I said, producer Bill and I don't even own a pair. But, uh, but it is when we're looking at dollars and cents, it sometimes is an indication, not the only, but an indication of where things are right now. All right. Pivoting on the on the hot uh, hot headlines end of things, want to give you one that's a little bit more academic, but is absolutely impactful on our day-to-day lives, especially as we're thinking about how we spend and where we spend and how expensive things are. I'm going to come into the inflation data. And it's because we received updated figures again today from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics with regards to unemployment, and then also with uh, from Treasury with regards to CPI. And uh, so we got CPI, or Consumer Price Index, one of the most often used metrics for what we commonly call inflation here in this country. 3.7% year over year. 3.7% year over year in terms of inflation increase or the, the increase in the pricing cost of living, if you will, uh, here on a year-over-year basis. Now, if you've been listening to us here on Dollars and Cents with uh, with regularity, you know that, uh, that th- that number has been significantly higher here over the last several months. It is definitely starting to pull back. So we're starting to see that in parts of the economy. Now, you may look at some things, and, I, and I'm going to bring up a couple of things here where I see just continued uh, increasing price intensity. Uh, And that has to do with travel. So if we're talking about airline tickets, hotel costs, uh, those tend to be, at least in my experience right now, are significantly higher than what we're showing in terms of the inflation numbers like 3.7%. If we're looking at things like the cost of uh, more let me say, uh, discretionary sorts of purchases. So if it's dining out uh, kinds of things, restaurant costs, uh, we're seeing significantly higher increases in terms of costs there uh, as well. Concert tickets. Now, I can't use Taylor Swift as a legit... I, actually, I'm just going to say Taylor Swift's a, a name a couple of times here because apparently if you have any even remote association with Taylor Swift, it automatically means economic success. At least that's what some folks are telling me. Uh, Producer Bill, I mean, are, are you... Are you a Swifty? I guess I should ask that first. Or I, I guess I need to be. She she is uh, lit. She is lit. She's with, lit with, with the fire emoji. Yes. A okay. Few. Yeah. okay. A few fire emojis. I mean, but it's true. I mean, if you look at this tour, so let's let, let's let's curb it in here to to a dollars and cents idea. If you look at the, at this tour, this uh, this concert tour on which she was, literally, there was so much economic impact that it affected our country's GDP. Uh, meaning our gross domestic product, meaning we can ascribe a tenth or so of of GDP growth. No, really. And it's not just the the ticket costs. It's the hotel expenditures. It's the flights. It's the food. It's the uh, other entertainment. And apparently there is a, um, uh, how can I say this in the best ways? There is a dressing up process that goes along with it as well. So we wear, um, can I say costumes? We wear wear certain garb. uh, You got to throw on your Birkenstocks and Uh, (laughs) Get your lit outfits on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a crossover. Maybe do. Maybe Swifties do buy uh, uh, Birkenstocks. I don't, if you're a Swifty, call us in here at the studio, 844-STUDIO-4. Again, I say that. We're, Bill, we're probably going to cho- choke up the phone lines uh, by uh, by doing that. 844-788-3464. Help me out with, uh, with how the economic impact goes together here. But with regards to inflation, I mean, those kinds of things, we're seeing significantly higher increases in inflation in certain areas. And, and so when we say 
3.7% year over year, you may be saying, well, my, my costs have gone up a lot more than that. My, my rent has gone up a lot more than that. Certainly with regards to mortgage expenses or living expenses, those have gone up significantly higher than that uh, year over year. And that would all be true. So we're looking at a very broad-based, very average kind of number. And, and we're putting that together, again, in a very general kind of space. But it is to say that at least with regards to the largest metrics, that it is not as intense as it was here three, six, nine months ago. And, uh, and that has been the specific intent of the Federal Reserve, meaning the primary reason why they're raising rates is because they want to curb inflation. And then specifically, which is uh, something that runs hand in hand with that, which is how you curb inflation, is to curb demand. And we're starting to see that. Now, what does that mean in terms of of a go-forward kind of space. Well, I'm teasing you a little bit here. You're going to have to hang around to the fourth quarter for me to talk about what that's going to mean market-wise from our perspective here at North Main Financial. But uh, but definitely there is a, a notable there is a noticeable impact, and we're starting to see those kinds of things. One uh, one additional data point, anecdotally, with regards to that, one of the things that we watch at North Main Financial uh, are shipping costs, meaning container costs. What does it cost to move a container of goods, a shipping container of goods, uh, generally speaking, across the Pacific Ocean? Now, there are some that, uh, many that come across the Atlantic as well, but the Pacific is really the thoroughfare for that kind of thing. So we watch what the average cost is for uh, for shipping containers. Uh, so when we're, goods are produced uh, in Asia and they're being shipped over to the West Coast, what does it cost, for, generally speaking, to, uh, to move a container like that? Uh, we're seeing costs uh, for those containers fall pretty significantly. Actually, by a couple of metrics, more than 30% or about a third of, uh, of that cost has, uh, has come off. So when we're looking at that kind of thing, then we start trying to draw correlation points. Does that mean that demand is slowing? Uh, it may be for certain things. Of course, not everything goes on a container, but a lot of things do. Certainly in our consumer-driven economy, a lot of things do. We're looking at the Christmas uh, retail season. Coming up here, does that mean that the the Christmas retail season is going to be a little bit lighter in terms of demand, meaning our retailers being a little bit more conservative in terms of the goods that they're having produced to be brought over here for the Christmas retail season? No way to know that with any certainty right now, but those are the kinds of things that are sitting on our radar screen because as we've talked about, almost ad infinitum here on dollars and cents, we are between two-thirds and three-quarters a consumer-driven economy. So it's a big deal. And we're watching very closely for what that may mean for the Christmas retail season because, again, that tends to be an indication about where the consumer is. Well, friends, thank you so much for hanging with us in the first half here. Coming back at the second half. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby, thank you so much for hanging with us. Second half of this week's show, 4.30. You're on the stretch run. If you're a nine-to-fiver, I mean, you're, al you're almost there. If you listen to my voice for about 25 and a half more minutes, you're going to be at, at, at the finish line. Uh, so that's a good way to end your day, at least I think so, right? Obviously, I'm very biased in, uh, in saying that to you. But thank you so much for hanging with us into the second half, again, of Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. As we were going to break there, we were talking about, well, several different things, certainly with regards to inflation. You heard me talk a little bit earlier in today's show uh, about the increase to the Social Security um, benefit that most folks are going to receive here coming in January. 3.2% is the COLA acronym, Cost of Living Adjustment, that uh, that is anticipated for this coming January. Let's, let's spend a few moments here under a segment that we're calling just What to Know. And, and it sounds a little bit, maybe a little bit elementary, a little bit generic, but these are the kinds of
the things that impact so many folks. We've, we've talked about 401ks. We've talked about savings plans here. Today, we're going to talk a little bit about Social Security. Now, in, in talking about Social Security here, because I'm going to dovetail this into, uh, into, into one segment, in talking about Social Security, i got to give you a big caveat first. There are a lot of nuances to Social Security about how to make choices, about how to uh, understand that some of the choices that you make with regards to Social Security are irrevocable. Others are revocable, meaning that you can start and pause uh, some things. So there are some significant points that you need to keep. I mean, there are attorneys who primarily only work on Social Security or Social Security disability uh, kinds of cases. So it, it's huge. So I, I am not an attorney. I need to make sure this is not legal advice. This is certainly not a recommendation for you. But I just want to talk about in some broad brush kinds of terms about Social Security because it dominates our planning at North Main Financial and for the obvious reasons. Right? I mean, if we're looking at our income sources in retirement, understanding how much Social Security uh, we might be able to collect and when we might be able to collect it and what the impacts are of, of working, meaning of, of working in retirement and how much you can work and not affect your Social Security benefit, there's a lot that, that, that goes into this. So in, in no way of what we're talking about here is this going to be comprehensive, but I just want to give you some mile markers or just some data points to keep in mind, especially if you are one who is looking at retirement and not quite there, because that's really where this applies. If you're in retirement, you've made your choices with regards to Social Security, most of what I'm going to talk about here for the next couple of minutes is not going to apply directly to you. But when we're looking at uh, folks who are, and we're sitting with folks, and we're working with folks who are looking at retirement and how to make those kinds of choices, here are some of the things that we keep in mind. First thing I want to make sure about what you're aware, you can always go to ssa.gov and Type in your, your information. SSA.gov is, is the uh, the official website for the Social Security Administration. Excuse me. SSA.gov. You go on there. You enter your information. You can get your estimates. You can get your projections. Uh, certainly, if you're close to retirement, those numbers are going to be pretty tight to, uh, to what you may receive. If you're a little bit further away from retirement, they may change some depending upon your income situation between now and that time when you actually claim your benefits. But it is a good way to begin the process. And actually, from an application standpoint, most, in, in some cases, all of the application process are done online anymore. So it's pretty amazing. We still have Social Security Administration offices. You can make appointments there. You can go in and you can go through the same process in person, but a lot of it can be done online as well. So all right, so let's talk about a couple of data points here. First one I want to talk about uh, is, is with regards to ages, meaning ages at which you can take Social Security. Now, I'm going to steer clear for means of this discussion from talking about about Social Security disability insurance, meaning for folks who are infirmed and declared disabled um, after application to the Social Security Administration. The reason why is because there are dozens of other uh, data points and information points that we need to keep in mind when we're talking about Social Security disability. So that's going to be a that's going to be a whole different segment, not today, uh, kind of thing. So I'm literally just looking at the retirement benefits, or what are sometimes called, and this at least they used to be called this. Uh, and uh, producer Bill's on the phone here, so uh, but. It, they used to be called old age benefits. I'm not going to say that any more than the one time I just said it right there. But, uh, but it does have to do with retirement. 
All right. So generally speaking, so if you are a widow or a widower, uh, there are often some possibilities to be able to claim benefits either on your record or on your spouse's record at age 60, 60. That's pretty much the earliest that you can claim. And again, that's only for widows and widowers that, uh, that that possibility even exists. It may or may not be appropriate for you, but that is a possibility, again, for folks who have lost a spouse uh, due to passing. Generally speaking, for most folks, and you're going to you couldn't keep hearing me saying these caveats because there are always exceptions. So these are just broad-based kinds of ideas. But generally speaking, you can begin Social Security in, quote, normal ways with, quote, early benefits at age 62. Now, if you are still working at age 62, it may or may not make sense for you to take Social Security benefits, meaning that if you're earning more than about $20,000 per year in income, you're probably going to be penalized for taking your Social Security. So it may not make a whole lot of sense to take it. However, if you are uh, still working, and earning less than $20,000 uh, per year, or if you are earning less than, or excuse me, if you are not earning anything, meaning all of your income is passive at, uh, at this point, then it may make sense to consider looking at taking Social Security once you get to age 62. Now, a very common question that we get, and it happens literally all the time, well, wouldn't it make sense for me to wait to take my Social Security benefits because the longer that I wait, the higher the monthly benefit is going to be? And that's true. And it may make sense for you. It may make sense to wait to start to take your Social Security benefits, either because you're still working, you have a higher income, you don't need the income, or any of a number of other financial factors that, uh, that come into it. But remember this, that if you do qualify and you choose to wait to take your Social Security benefits, remember that for the math to work, and now I'm getting very academic in how we look at the analytic end of things, for the math to work, even though you may be receiving a higher benefit later on by waiting, Remember, mathematically, you have to, quote, make up those months and maybe even years where you didn't receive a benefit. Let me back up a little bit and describe what I'm talking about. And I'm just going to use it in an example format. Let's say you're 62 years old and you are fully retired and you could take Social Security, but you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't really need it right now. I have some other cash savings. I'm not going to start to take my benefits right away. You certainly can do that. There's nothing wrong with that. That's not a bad thing to do. Um, so you see, so you decide in your mind, you know what? I'm going to wait until age 65 before I take my benefits because I have three years worth of living expenses saved up, saved up, and I don't need it. And because my benefit is going to be notably higher if I wait until age 65 to take it. Absolutely true. Mathematically, that's that. That's what happens. Social Security will tell you that. They will tell you that by waiting, in my example here, three years, what your benefit increase is going to be during that time. However. In order for that math to work, remember, you're not receiving any benefits during those three years that you're waiting. Now, that may seem kind of elementary and intuitive, but mathematically, you need to make up those three years from your higher benefit in order for that to make sense. All right, you following me there? Because if you don't take your benefit during that time when you qualify it, qualify for it, even though it's a smaller benefit, you need to make that up in order for the math to work, meaning for the math to be in your favor. And that break-even point can be years out, sometimes even a decade, a decade and a half or more uh, before you actually, quote, get into the black as far as the math is concerned. It's not true for everybody. So I'm going to caveat this again. It's not true for everybody. You definitely want to take a look at your particular situation. And remember, there's no residual benefit on Social Security, meaning it's not like, well, if you defer, defer, wait, wait, that there's a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Unfortunately, Social Security is structured in such a way where generally speaking, you either use it or lose it. 
It, I mean, that's, that's just the way that it is. And that doesn't make it wrong or bad. It's just the way that the structure is put together. So I'm saying that because we, we encounter all the time at North Main Financial folks say, well, I just, I'm just going to wait because I don't need it right now. So I'm just going to wait to take it. And, that, and that's fine. But then we start to go through the math and we talk about what the break-even point is mathematically by waiting. And sometimes folks will change their mind because they say, wow, it's going to be 11 years before I actually, quote, make up those years that I waited before I took my Social Security benefit, even though my monthly benefit was higher. And that's a really important point to keep in mind. So I'm, I'm, I'm spending a lot of time on this intentionally because for a lot of folks, they just make the assumption that waiting is better. And it may be in your particular situation. But there's another side to that equation as well that may be indicative to you that, uh, that it may make sense to start it earlier, even though it may be a smaller benefit. Here's another not so objective look at uh, the starting earlier aspect of Social Security, and that has to do with when we would like to spend money. Meaning, generally speaking, at least in our experience at North Main Financial, folks desire to spend money more towards the front end of retirement than they do at the back end. Meaning that, generally speaking, you have better health, you have more desire, uh, more ability to, to do travel or to do higher expense kinds of things generally than you do at the back end of retirement. That's not a very scientific way of describing it, but generally speaking, in our experience at North Main Financial, that tends to be the case. So if that's the case, why don't we take the income aspect of things? Why don't we take that opportunity uh, that we have to take that income, even if it's a smaller benefit so that we might enjoy it now instead of saving it for some later date when we may not have as much desire to use that kind of thing. So again, th th there's a lot that goes into this. There's a lot that goes into these details, Not and, and this isn't going to apply to everybody, but definitely something to keep in mind. A couple of other date points that you want to keep in mind. Full retirement age or normal retirement age for most folks, age 66 to 67 right now, depending upon where you when you were born. So that's definitely something to keep in mind. And then the max out age or the time when you, when you get you can get the maximum benefit if you wait is, is age 70, generally speaking, for most folks. So again, just some age, some mile marker kinds of things to keep in mind, maybe a different thought process about when you start Social Security. That's very important to keep in mind as well because it's a little bit counterintuitive, perhaps from the ways that you would normally think about it. Well, friends, we're getting ready for the fourth quarter here. I appreciate so much listening to Dollars and Cents here on WSIC News Talk now. Hello and welcome back to Dollars and Cents presented by North Main Financial. I'm your host, Joshua Doby. Thank you so much for hanging with us. Fourth quarter stretch run. You're almost there if you're a nine to fiver. Uh, we've got a couple more minutes here before uh, before the bell rings and uh, and you're on your way home. So I appreciate so much you spending these couple of minutes with us and especially as we're getting into the uh, the fourth quarter of the show. Football reference, ready for ready for the, the weekend, ready, ready for college and for pro football. Bring it on. I love it this time of the year. I know a lot of colleges and universities He's got parents weekend and a lot of that kind of stuff going on right now. So have a great time. Be safe if you're doing that kind of thing. Fun time of the year to uh, to enjoy that kind of thing. All right. As we were talking about during the last segment there, we we're talking about Social Security. We got a call right right as we were getting into the um, uh, the break time there from William talking about, you know, okay, what, what happens if you apply for Social Security before your full retirement age? And, and there, there are a lot of points that go into that, William. And I want, don't want to get into all the details here. But just 
generally speaking, if you have a number that is the amount that you would receive on a monthly basis at your full retirement age, there is a discount or there is a reduction in the amount if you would apply for it before that time. So I'm just going to use numbers. If at full retirement age, your, your number is anticipated to be $1,500 per month, it may be if you apply early that your number is $1,300 per month or $1,200 per month, depending upon when you actually apply for it. Now, what's really good about the Social Security Administration, they'll tell you in advance before you make your decision. If you apply now, here's what the benefit will be. If you wait, here's what your uh, benefit will be later. So they're really good about that. And you can do that all online to ssa.gov. Great wealth of information. I mean, it literally, it's an overload of information with regards to Social Security, but definitely a great resource. And you can always call one of the local offices and make an appointment as well. So good question. Very important to keep that kind of thing in mind. All right. Fourth quarter here. And we're, we're talking markets. And I, and I do, although I have something anecdotal here. And, and I have to say this probably because of the age of my daughters. Producer Bill, I'm going to ask you as well. Are, are you a Disney guy? Uh, and I'll say it from the standpoint of Disney movies, Disney theme parks. I mean, any, anything. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. And asking no, I, I am a Disney guy. Grew See? up with the VHSs. See? I know way too many songs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know them primarily because I got two daughters. Uh, sure. You know, it's, <laughs> not that I'm going to admit on the air, certainly. But anyhow, the only reason I'm saying that is, and this, this does speak into where things are for us economically right now. Uh, a five-day ticket. So if you if you are a, uh, a theme park attendee, if you're the kind of person who likes to go to the theme parks, and certainly here on the East Coast, you, you think about you know the Big Five in uh, in Florida. There, uh, producer Bill, uh, th- there has been a, a recent increase in the price of a five-day ticket, uh, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you for. Um, well, I, you know what? I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna have you t- shotgun it. What do you think? Five day ticket. So this is the uh, the all parks pass, right? So you can go everywhere. So what's a five day ticket to uh, to Disney at this point? What do you think? Oh, am I bringing my family? No, this is single. This okay, sing- single sing- single ticket. ticket. Five one, days. One ticket, five days. And I can go everywhere on the park. You can. Uh, mm, I can eat everything. Uh, or do, uh, well, the food not included. So okay. this this all is right. just to walk in. So for five days, my ticket is is it over? Is it over two thousand? It, it, it's not. Okay, and, and all right. I was about to say, it cannot be over $2,000. It, it, it can't be. So th- th- this is just entry. Now, it, it very easily could be that when you count, because I'm not counting hotel, I'm right. not counting food. I think I'm, I've just seen the videos I mean, of uh, oh. people's bills when they, oh. after they. <laughs> it, it's, I mean, it's it's unreal. And, you know, a lot of those places, and this is not, I'm not speaking badly about Disney or that Disney's a bad investment. I'm not saying that. I actually may think Disney's a good investment after what we're talking about here. But, uh, but, it, but it can be that because, you know, a lot of them have minimum nights, meaning if you go, you got to stay two nights or three nights, you know, kind of thing. Uh, So it can very easily get there. But just to get in, just to get in, 16% increase, $480. Oh, wow. $480 just to get in Mm. uh, for, uh, for five days. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but I mean, yeah, you take you take a friend or two, or you got a family of four. I mean, you, you're, there's your couple thousand dollars that uh, that you were just referencing, Bill. I mean, that's yeah, we're going to be uh, singing those songs. We we are all, all day. Bring me br- br- bring me the VHS tape right. and, and and bring me the v, uh, the VCR. Right. I know should have kept some of them in wrap. We should wrapped up and <laughs> that's right. sold sold one of those. <laughs> right. I'm sure they're probably vintage now. They're probably they're probably sitting in museums somewhere, uh, or they're probably being traded. They're probably a commodity at this point. But so very very expensive. 
expensive, 16% increase. I mean, that's, that's huge. And, and so, and again, I'm not saying that to speak poorly of Disney or anything like that. It's just, they've announced that, that that's what it's going to be. So going to be very interesting to see. They've, uh, Disney has definitely seen some softening in their um, movie production and streaming services in terms of the folks who are attending their movies, uh, just from, you know, the normal numbers. And then also the folks who are signing up for Disney plus and their other streaming services. So it's going to be very interesting to see uh, how that balances out. And certainly as a publicly traded company, we'll be able to track it. All right, pivot to the markets here. I know that's why you hang around. That's why I keep it to the fourth quarter, just so I can keep teasing you here to uh, to hang with us. But um, but a lot that we see happening in the markets. And, uh, and certainly these last several weeks have pivoted in terms of uh, what has really led the way, uh, we have seen. So let me go to bond markets first, and and bonds tend to be I don't know they, they tend to be the boring cousins sometimes, or at least considered the boring cousins to the equity markets. But frankly, the bond markets, at least in my opinion, are going to tell you a whole lot more than what the equity markets are going to tell you. The bond markets tend to be, at least in my opinion, more indicative of where the economy is and where the market believes the economy is going. And uh, and so let's just use the uh, the uh, yield curve right now. And again, I'm not going to. I promise you, I'm not going to bore you to tears. But uh, but what we have seen is a shift in the yield curve. You've heard me talk about the yield curve where it has paid you more to have shorter duration CDs and bonds here over the last year and a half or so instead of going out longer. So actually paid you more per year to have a one-year or two-year bond than if you would get a 10-year, 20-year, or 30-year bond per year. And uh, we're starting to see that flatten out. Now, in flattening out, been kind of messy. It's been kind of messy in the equity markets as well. Basically, as yields have risen at the far end of the curve, we were seeing kind of a hammer taken to uh, to the equity markets, at least here over the last couple of weeks. So what does that mean? Does that mean that we're returning a little bit more to quote normal? Yes, but it's a little bit bruising along the way, meaning this is what should happen. We should have higher interest rates at the far end of the curve with longer durations, 10-year, 20-year, 30-year kinds of bonds. But that means a couple of different things that you may not like. That means you're going to have higher rates on mortgages means you're going to have higher rates on car loans, those kinds of things which use the five-year, 10-year, 20-year treasury uh, as, a, as a quasi-benchmark or at least as a checkpoint in terms of how those rates get, uh, get put together, you're going to see those rates rise again. So we're, we're watching that very, very closely. You know, is that going to indicate a slowdown as far as our economy is concerned? Are we going to start to see things really cool off? Does that mean that there's going to be less intensity uh, for uh, or less appetite, I should say, for buying equities or buying stocks? as well as folks kind of pull in the reins and, and really get more conservative. Don't know at this point, but that's definitely something that we're watching here. You've heard me allude to the Christmas retail season, I know, several times, not only today, but in previous uh, shows here recently on Dollars and Cents. And we're watch- we are, we're watching that very closely because the an indication that comes out of the Christmas retail season is very strong with relationship to the consumer. And the consumer, as you know, two-thirds, three-quarters of our economy. So very, very important for us to keep in mind what the consumer is doing. If the consumer is starting to rein it in a little bit, and, and it could happen. There are several macro factors out there. Interest rates, yes. Higher rents, yes. Um, student lo- Federal student loans coming back online in terms of payments owed, yes. Definitely huge. Uh, and we haven't seen that impact yet. I mean, we haven't really felt that or understood what that is doing to curb the spending appetites. I mean, one of the reasons why I brought up Disney at the front end of this segment is, is that going to affect Disney? So now is it possible that they've raised their prices at a time when folks are going to be not only less inclined to go, but less able to afford 
to go? I don't know. And again, I don't want to draw out just a unilateral or a linear kind of scenario and say, well, this is obviously what it's going to be. No, these are just items to keep in mind. Uh, because we also have some very positive things uh, that are in the marketplace right now. We still have very low unemployment, uh, which which is good and not good. Not that I want anybody not to have a job, but, uh, but it tends to be a good, not good indicator, uh, meaning with regards to the overall economy. Um, but generally speaking, right now, that tends to be a, a pretty strong thing. We still have parts of the economy which are moving amazingly well uh, right now. If you look at technology, you look at the semiconductor space, I mean, it's it's, it's pretty fantastic. If you look at housing, uh, and when I say housing, I'm talking about more, uh, more in on the builder side of things, uh, that, that still is very strong right now. If you'd asked me a year ago, and I'm, I know I said this here on dollars and cents, but if you'd asked me a year ago, I thought things would have been much cooler, meaning much slower in, uh, in that end of things. Haven't seen it yet, at least not on the residential side. Office, commercial, we're starting to see things cool down a little bit faster, especially in our bigger metro urban areas, but really not seeing that on the residential side of things. And in part, it's because there's so little inventory that's sitting out there. I mean, think about it from this standpoint. If you're one who has a 3%, 4% mortgage, and you may be, uh, because by all indications, about 40%-ish, 50%-ish of folks out there have a, have a sub 4.5% mortgage right now, of those folks who have mortgages. Um, you're not going to give that up very willingly for a seven and a half or eight percent mortgage if you don't have to. So we're starting to see that end of things cool down a little bit, where folks who uh, have discretionary ability to move housing not doing as much. But what that does is it crimps the supply, meaning there's just not as many houses that are up for sale. I mean, I've talked with any number of mortgage brokers, real estate brokers. The chief Justin here, he's he's very closely connected to the real estate market as a real estate attorney and investor, and I'm there's just not a lot to buy out there. So even though there may not be as many buyers out there of the ones who are looking, there's just not as much to, through which to search. So it's it's presenting this very interesting kind of space right now, which at least to this point has been very sustaining in the marketplace. And uh, certainly from my standpoint, I hope that continues to be the case uh, because uh, real estate, especially here in the Lake Norman region, real estate drives a lot, drives a lot of things, drives a lot of revenue, drives a lot of tax revenue. Uh, it's good for the county. It's good for the state in terms of transfer taxes, you know, all those things that are, that are associated with the real estate business, uh, that it's, it's a very big deal. So I hope that continues to be the case. Well, friends, we're rapidly approaching the end of this week's version of Dollars and Cents. We're going to do a lightning fast recap here. A couple of anecdotal things. All you Birkenstock wearers, now you can go buy the stock itself. It's traded publicly now. You want to go buy a, go buy a, a share of Birkenstock, you can do it. You can even do it at a discount relative to where it came out on the market here. It's not a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold it. Just want to make you aware of it. All right. Social Security, big deal, big planning item, a lot of decisions to make when it comes to Social Security. You want to make sure that you understand all the details associated with your particular space before you make those kinds of big decisions. And then with regards to the markets, got some headwinds, but we want to make sure that we're paying attention to all the factors as we're making decisions. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's Dollars and Cents. I'm Joshua Doby, and I'll see you soon. The new 105.9, 100.7 WSIC, Statesville, W290DK, Mooresville, Lake Norman, North Charlotte.